0: <laughs> we are welcoming today Brian Kilmeade. Of course, uh, you know Brian from, uh, he was the co-host of Fox and Friends. He's also frequently on Gutfeld and other aspects of the Fox Nation. He's host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Talk. Uh, and of course, he's the author of multiple New York Times bestselling book, including The President and The Freedom Fighter. And today that is being followed by Teddy and Booker T. So we are going to look at how Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln shaped race in America and how Teddy Roosevelt and Booker T took that ball further down the field to where we need to have it, ought to have it. Uh, And that he's making the case that we shouldn't be running from history. We should be Looking at it, understanding it, it's okay to disdain it, it's okay to have feelings about it, but to examine it. And as you know, and I've said almost every day the last couple of months, I've been obsessing about the French history and the French Revolution, how that is impacting on this present moment. So we will get into it with Brian Kilmeade after the break. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this right. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction. Fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> Say where the hell you think I learned that? Ladies and gentlemen, let's make a resolution that's easy to keep and delivers immediately on its promise. With GenuCell skincare, you can turn back the clock and look 5, 10, even 15 years younger. And right now, GenuCell skincare is celebrating 2024 with its New Year's sales event. Save over 60% off all of our favorite GenuCell products with one of our customized skincare routine packages. Say goodbye to those fine lines in the forehead and around your corner of your eyes. sagging jawline, dark marks, skin redness, even under-eye bags. Leave them in 2023. Genucel works for women and men. It's safe for all skin types and perfect for skin of any age. Plus, with its immediate effects, Genucel promises results that will make you smile, guaranteed, or 100% of your money back. Start your new year look off right with one of our custom Genucel skincare bundles right now at genucel.com slash Drew. Use our special code Drew at checkout for extra savings off your order today. And remember, every order place is automatically upgraded to free shipping. Don't wait. That is genucel.com forward slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. Well, most of my career, I've been urging people to kick habits, change habits. Well, this time, I'd like to suggest getting into the habit of adding Paleo Valley grass-fed bone broth protein to your daily nutrition regimen. Here's CEO Autumn Smith.
1: It's made from cows with 100% grass-fed and finished and bones. Their bones, rather than the hide, most Bone broth or collagen powders are made from hides or hooves, but ours is actually made from the bone. It'll contain additional nutrients. Bone broth is a way to bring back those nutrients, those minerals, and there's glu- aminoglycans, And then there's collagen, which helps us prevent wrinkles and joint pain and actually heals our gut. There's, there's gelatin and there's just all of these ingredients that the modern diet has kind of left by the wayside.
0: Susan and I have been mixing the chocolate-favored bone broth literally into our coffee every morning for months. And we've noticed a difference in our energy, appearance of our hair, skin, nails. Susan's particularly very happy with this. The bioavailable protein also helps us feel satiated. That's the part I'm happy with. Paleo Valley bone broth also comes in vanilla and pure, unflavored, and can easily be added to your coffee, smoothies, yogurt. Go to drdrew.com paleo, P-A-L-E-O, for 15% off your first order. Again, that is drdrew.com slash paleo. And a reminder, coming up, we have Dr. Sean Baker. we we'll are a carnivore diet conversation tomorrow, and then we'll take calls. So if you want to do calls, we're going to have a lot of calls hopefully tomorrow uh next tuesday james corbett on the gelman amnesia which is something i talk about often brian i may talk about that yet today uh again it's this sort of the understanding that when they do an article in the press about you or something you know a lot about you see how how far from the facts they are how far from the truth but then you assume the rest of the paper is completely accurate wrong uh roseanne barr coming in on wednesday dr paul alexander we've got peter mccullough coming next we got just great guests coming and today is no exception. Please welcome Brian Kelmy, the co-host of Fox and & Friends and the host of the new book uh, regarding Booker T and Teddy. Teddy and Booker T, how two American icons blazed a path for racial equality. Hey, Brian.
2: Thanks for having me on, Dr. Drew. Appreciate it.
0: It's always a pleasure. Good to see you. So, just give us the frame on the book and what led you to to uh, write it. It. I will tell you two things from my perspective. It's a natural follow on to your book about Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. It seems to me. And last time I did your radio show, you assigned me the reading of Booker T's book. I forget what it what it's called. Uh, it's like a diaries. Up from slavery, and it was. Phenomenal. It was I mean, it was it was a first hand account. It was incredible. Uh so thank you for that. And uh, so it's no, it's no uh uh sort of seems like no accident to me that Booker T inspired inspired you to write this book.
2: Yeah, I mean, what he is 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 uh probably one of the most impressive Americans that to ever live. And when you start the book saying essentially, I'm born a slave, never had shoes necessarily pants, slept on the floor, never knew my father on my birthday. Uh, my mom was working 18 hours a day. I She was only there to make dinner. and A lot of times we'd have one meal and she'd have to go basically steal it from the rest of the farm. And then she remembers going, being called to the main house on the plantation and seeing a union soldier read something that he now assumes was the emancipation proclamation and you're free. And that kid, nine years old, ends up being one of the most influential Americans One of the most challenging times, you have my attention. And then when you research it and you see Teddy Roosevelt kind of all over it, served on the Tuskegee board. He was a key advisor to the president of the United States. He was a commencement, gave a commencement address, the controversial dinner at his house. I thought, let me tell these two stories. Most people say, I know the name Booker T. I don't know what he did. And everybody knows Mm -hmm. Roosevelt, I think, outside Lincoln, the most written about president. And that just was like a privilege to research their lives. And that would coincide.
0: So I know a bit about both of them. The Booker T mostly through what you uh, exposed me to. And uh, yeah, he built a school from nothing. It was incredible the way he did that. I mean, his relentlessness, he kind of reminds me of Elon Musk with that kind of relentless building and doesn't take no for an answer. and And, and obviously a very bright man. Do you, do you, I wondered as I was reading it is if his heritage came under any um, criticism for being too enthusiastic about adopting sort of the, the the Eurocentric white culture of the time. Do people attack him
2: for that, Everett? You know? Wow, you cut right to it, and that's why because I met with Ben Jealous, who was uh, one of the leaders of the NAACP, and I wanted to find out what exactly in the black community. Um, I wanted to find out what, why exactly he doesn't resonate, why Malcolm X always did, mm-hmm. currently now, and why a lot of people don't embrace MLK. They want they want conflict, and they thought he was too accommodating. I thought he was very realistic. He decided in the Jim Crow South, when they were hanging people for inter- inter- inter-racial, interracial relationships, when they were making up crimes for the most successful black people, for they were threatening them not to go to the polls, in the middle of the Jim Crow South, when the, when the reforms of the Civil War were melting away, he said, "I'm going back when I could have stayed in the North or went to Europe, and I'm going to start a school right in the middle, and I'm going to show uh, white people who I don't hate, even if they hate me, I will not allow them to. I will not allow them to dominate me by letting me hate them." He talks about things that have nothing to do with race, but have things to do with success in life. And all the time, I have to go back and look up some of these figures to see what color they were. That meant so much to him. Most of them are white. And he goes back there and says, uh, "I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show them through education there is no difference between blacks and whites." And he would say, for generations, they learned there was, and they'd see uh, African Americans working in the fields, not uh, without an education, saying, "Of course, we're superior." And then there's Booker T. Washington. Then there's Frederick Douglass. And then there's people who get an education and you see them excel and you see them flourish. And, and, and white, uh, white farmers and, and, and businessmen and women going, wait a second, maybe my parents and grandparents were absolutely wrong. So a 1,000 at a time, maybe 1,200, 1,300 at a time, you would graduate African-Americans, first generation, and would learn to read and write, but had to learn a skill. This is why I got Mike Rowe in the back of the book. They had to learn in occupation. He said, because white America wasn't ready to hire you yet. So you have to be indispensable. Don't hate Show them what you can do. Learn the classic, but learn a craft. I'm a sheet metal worker. I want you to not only learn how to build a house, I want you to learn how to make bricks. I want you to be an agricultural expert. I want you to, um, I want you to be able to uh, work with your hands on anything pot. And while at my school, almost from the karate kid, you know we had the, um, he had the, the kid actually paint the house and build the fence. Yes. Yeah. He was learning yeah. skills. They actually no.
0: I I built the I think school. students built the yeah the students, yeah, built, the the students school. built the school. I I remember that and they and they provided the food and they did the cooking they did all the stuff and and then went out and used those skills. Women too. Yeah, it's women very. Too. What's that? And, uh, and
2: women women professors, uh, women mm. teachers. They also women were <laughs> well, invited to and, have a skill. And oh yeah. He, he, look, this was scout. a
0: the. the I would call him a, a spiritual leader as much as an intellectual reader. He, he had a very spiritual sort of presence about him. I, I, it came through in, in his, his biography that he wrote. But, but the, oh, oh, shoot, I lost my train of thought about, I, I was going to, how does Teddy Roosevelt fit into this? And what was, is he, was he like Lincoln, right. sort of Eurocentric, a little racist and was converted by Booker T the way Frederick Douglass well, sort of brought Abraham Lincoln along?
2: So you know the the thing that made this successful I think the book successful is because the Roosevelt family cooperated. And you know I went to them right away. I was looking at Booker T Washington. I went to tweet Roosevelt the great grandson and I said am I dream am I reaching? Am I reaching and they said no. He had blind spots and that's why some idiots want to box up his statues. He was a person of his times. Mm-hmm. But because his mom his mom was from the confederacy. His two brothers the uncles mm-hmm. were fighting for the south. Do you think when your mom, is who you worship, and your dad, who's from the North, who, who she begged not to get into the war, and he was six years old that the Civil War was happening, it is not something he had to read in a book. He lived it. Don't you think his mom at some point goes, you know, there's a difference between blacks and whites, and they were slaves on, on the houses that we worked on? And that's what he heard. And he would say some things where everyone deserves liberty, but you know, we know uh, whites are superior to the blacks. But I think mm. he evolved in his life. And part of it was reading the same book I asked you to read. He through. Got, he got up from slavery in advanced copy. All his friends said, you got to read this book. He was vice president. And he gave it to his wife, Edith. He says, we've got to meet this guy. And they met April 1st, 1901 in New York City. And they basically said, listen, I, my, my goal is to be president. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I want to work together with you. And he said, great. Why don't you visit me in Tuskegee? It goes, fantastic. McKinley gets shot a few weeks later, dies a few weeks after that. He becomes president and he essentially says, how would you like to be my key advisor on judges, on postmasters? And I don't don't. And one of the quotes was, and I could just paraphrase it. Don't tell me the gender. Don't tell me the color. I just want to know the most qualified person. I mean, and sometimes it gives you uh, it gives you you, you it sends up shivers up your spine to think how much they wanted to change things together, how much they knew it was wrong what they were experiencing in the South but they knew what they could only do so much. It's got to be incremental. And they were somebody who mm-hmm. were very practical. I don't like what's going on, but how do I change it realistically? So if Booker T was, i Sharpton and said, there was a, there was a, an unjust lynching down the road. There, was, there were people prevented from voting yesterday. Okay. If he took all those stands, there would be no Tuskegee. There would be no 1,200 African-Americans graduating a year flooding the region with teachers because they had to teach, free education in exchange for teaching, and then into business. So he had to pick his spots. And that bothers people that said, like W.E.B. Du Bois, who said, you're too accommodating. You're telling people well to be friends with Andrew Carnegie and J.P. Morgan, Teddy Roosevelt, William McKinley, and Grover Cleveland. You have to accommodate. He says, that's wrong. He goes, no, it's real. But he didn't hate W.E.B. Du Bois. He would find out their point of view he actually had a theological background for a while he was in the seminary and then he spun yeah. out and tried to make a, dim, a bigger impact. And I think you must realize that too if I could be an outsider's perspective. You must have some clients that you sit with in sessions and you see so much wrong. You almost want to throw up your hands, but you have to build mm. incrementally and show their advances gradually, mm-hmm. right? And if you can't get somebody, you got to move on because the big picture is the, uh, help as many people as possible, but you got to be practical, and that's what he well, was. We actually,
0: a, we actually have a we actually have a an aphorism for that, which is uh, progress, not perfection, and uh, and that's what we you know you have to live by that because if people don't. It's not a straight road to as in in the, to keep the model going of recovery. It's not a straight road to you know full recovery. It's not like it's something that you just you're it's a straight yeah. line. It's 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 a it's a progressive process and it, and it's highly unpredictable, the the forward and backwards and all the things that can happen along the way. You that, that's part of the, how humans work.
2: Yes. And I'll give you one story that stands out because it stood out for Booker T. Washington. And he told you to tell you Rosewell and they laughed. So the controversial dinner was, that people don't know, it was referenced by John McCain in 2008. He just decided uh, to do what he did as governor. If you have a friend, he's black or white. If, there's, if it's a late night, you stay over. No problem. Well, at the White House, he finds out Booker T. Washington is in Washington. He goes, come on over. Let's have dinner. He said, Booker T. Washington said, that might be a problem. But I, the president asked me to go. It's in writing. I'm going. So he shows up and he has dinner with the family. Somebody looks at the, at the manifest and says, who is this Booker T. Washington? Why was he eating dinner with you? He's black. It becomes a national scandal in the South. Horrible racist yeah. things are written. Got it. So they mm-hmm. said, "Well, you know, we got to bring we got to bring this relationship some more practical. Come over at eleven and four. Let's mm-hmm. not have dinner together and let's gradually change things." Now, one day he's waiting for the train, and a man walks up to him and says, are "You Booker T. Washington?" He's a white guy, and he says, "Yeah." He goes, "You're one of the finest men in America, if not the finest." And he said. Sir, thank you so much. But it's actually, in my view, it's the president of the United States, President Roosevelt. And he looked at him and said, I used to think so, too, until he had you over for dinner. Now, think about that mindset. He think there was nothing wrong. Think about like, especially you who want to think where that comes from. He said, I realized at that moment I can't help that guy. But he said, I realized I have to let sleeping dogs lie. And maybe I have to wait for a generation. So he is willing to win, but never equal.
0: It's really something. I, it really you just you when you when you, I, I mean, I have a certain amount of sort of denial about it. Like I don't want to accept it. Uh, the the other thing I want to go back to the way Booker T has been sort of um,
2: accommodating,
0: not yeah. fully not fully embraced by by many many black historians and black th- leaders and thinkers. Um, And two other things that I learned from his book was that there were a lot of the former slaves like him who were very enthusiastic about learning and they were so, I mean, so motivated and so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to, to join the general culture. Uh, it, it wasn't something, he wasn't, Booker T wasn't accommodating in a sense that he himself was different or somehow passive in how he dealt with the, with, uh, the circumstances of the day. The other thing which I it jumped out at me that was just fascinating, in some of these schools, he was in there, if I remember right, with um, Native Americans, with uh, First, First Nation folks. And many of them, listen to this, many of them were slave owners, Many of the people in the class with him, the Indians or the, the Native Americans had been slave owners and they disdained the African Americans for do you, do you remember this part where they, they disdained them for becoming slaves as opposed to dying uh, resisting. You know you remember this right? That this yes. was the and this was the Native American view of Black America was no you the fact that you allowed yourself to be captured or somebody from your family or whatever and and you didn't die that therefore we sit in judgment of you and they were slave owners which I didn't realize Native
2: Americans had been slave owners yeah almost everybody do you know when Columbus I was starting to research Columbus because he was so controversial uh, all mm. of a sudden so do you know when he landed in uh, the Bahamas in Haiti we now know as Haiti in the Dominican Republic. Do you know that some of those tribes were enslaving other tribes? Because, Dr. Drew, as oh, we learn, yeah. is because you conquer back then, and then you control. I mean, it's in the Bible. All yeah. of a sudden, they act like we invented it. The 1619 Project, everybody was free until America decided this experiment with slavery is just so wrong to put people in our times. But to your point, uh, he also mentioned, too, when he would go to Washington, he would think it would be trouble getting a hotel. But Indians had at least a lot less problems with a hotel than blacks getting a hotel Uh, when he went Mm. up there. He always found that was interesting because he was mentoring people, trying to give them an idea of what an education could bring and the power you could achieve. And yet they were treated better in Washington than maybe the most famous black men. And I'll bring you to another uh, Mm. another story that I think is uh, that I think is interesting. And that is when when you talk about accommodating, he said. Uh, and some of his other books that really, I just want to get in depth in research rather than really help me in this book. But he would say, think about African-Americans as the white men went to fight in a civil war. They could have easily overtaken that plantation, killed all the women, or or just taken over and owned everything. They showed their loyalty to the country, to the cause, and to their uh, slave master. So they thought, and they fought in every, he points out, they fought in every single war, including the revolution. And he just said, if you want to know loyalty, that's loyalty. They were able to trust, the white people were able to trust blacks with their families as they went to war and with their healing when they came back. And I'll bring you somewhere else. When, um, when, it, was time, when it was time to come back and to, uh, for, for, the, for the South to be free, the white people were lost. And this is what Ron DeSantis was referring to two months ago. They had no skills. Black people did everything because they were slaves. They had the skills. They could do the construction. They could build the fences. They could take care of the fields. They took care of the crops. They couldn't, these guys couldn't fix the doorway. They couldn't hang a door. They couldn't paint. They weren't painting the house. So they, a lot of them stayed on and maybe took a minimal pay for housing because they almost felt bad hmm. for the white people who were their slave masters because they knew nothing. And that's what it made me think of Michael no. Rowe, too, is that we are, as a country, we've stopped being able to build every, anything anymore. And as yeah. a nation, we can learn from that. That's what DeSantis was saying. He wasn't saying slavery was good. He was saying when, the slave, when slavery ended, <laughs> a lot of African-Americans had skills like handymen, construction, agriculture, sheet metal workers, whatever, not saying that slavery was good. And that was his point, which he didn't expand on.
0: Yeah the 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 psychology is is a little complicated though this 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 uh the psychology of having been enslaved and and sort of not knowing how it's you know it 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 reminds me of uh what happened when if if you remember in uh, Schindler's list when the concentration camps were were uh freed they just sat there in the camp now what now <laughs> do we do? we don't know how to we don't we don't have yeah. that it's, it, it's, syndrome, a, it's right? a psychology a, yes a psychology gets going and so on one hand it's like yes it, the black america should be very proud of, of what what they did and the contributions uh, but the idea that it was just out of duty is like mm, there's a lot more going on at the time and and my, by the way and then you walked out the out of, out into the world into that jim crow era it's like oh boy i you know i don't it's really interesting to me that we um, we have to we really have to come to terms with so much of this, and it's not a simple thing, right? And I always felt like that's what you were trying to help us do. I and I and I and I to me, we you and I had this conversation before. Frederick Douglass, were his words can lead us out of this? I don't know, and that Booker T not so much, but I know you did this other book on on Frederick Douglass and Lincoln. Frederick Douglass's speeches, I swear to God, he just, he. you said Booker T was one of the greatest Americans. I think Frederick Douglass may be the greatest American. His words could get us forward.
2: True. Uh, Booker T. Washington uh, looked up to Frederick Douglass and they do have a, he came and spoke at Tuskegee too. And there's no doubt about it, he mm. was inspiration. He was the Marco Polo of explorers of, of race relations. And he was a little like Muhammad Ali, Challenging you and uh, a little like Barkley, you know challenging he had a sense of humor, uh, but he had a determination to change things, uh, and both men could have lived great lives in Europe, and they came back and the, to make our country better and you know he was like he was before Lincoln came along, Douglas has almost given up on the country. he said wait, this, if this was yeah. he was, in, he Republican
0: was touring country, England, he was making a living touring England and Ireland he was, he was a giant celebrity over there
2: he was also a fugitive. And white people paid for his freedom to make sure he wouldn't be arrested when he got back while being a best-selling author uh, because his biography was like, wow, is this what life as a slave is like? Is this real? And they go, of course it's real. There he is. He takes his shirt off and there'd be whip marks on his back. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So and then he keep on improving on that. So we need that. But see, the thing is, Dr. Drew, I don't hate the country or like it less because this happened. I think it's so realistic and it's so important to understand how far we've come. How many people have sacrificed, yeah. and grown throughout it? That makes us sacri- look at these other people for inspiration and for clarification on why we're the country we are today. It's not because we're perfect. It's because we try to be. And, and just an also an important point to note that you know, we were on route to a much faster recovery uh, until the compromise of 1876, when we got a, believe it or not, electoral college breakdown again. Right after the Civil War, they could not decide who won five separate states. Samuel Tilden uh, versus uh, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. And they were about to come up to the point where another constitutional crisis, where they cut a deal. And they said, well, let the Republican, well, let Hayes become president. but well, I want you to pull the Union troops out of the South. And Hayes says, I'll deal right. with you. I'll say yes to that. But you got to promise not to yep. go back to where you were. And they broke their promise yep. to a degree with Jim Crow. No, that was. Yeah. And that's why I've always said that John Wilkes Booth did more damage to this country than bin Laden and all these other guys. And here's yeah, why. Yeah. If you put Lincoln with uh, President Grant, and General Grant, and you combine him with Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass and other greats uh, in the Senate. We might if in the eighteen, if they survived the 1860s, we might not have needed the 1960s.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, this is what I've always said that that the the so-called reconstruction period, which is what you're talking about, was so horrific when you read about it, the violence, the 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 horrible racism was it was so horrible uh that I I almost feel like it was such a profound trauma that we put it behind us and don't want to think about it because because when you read about it, yeah it's just it's just an unbelievable period of history. I, I I think I first got sort of really into it reading the Grant Biography and then reading the Douglas Biography and then getting deeper into what was going on there. You know, people we we have all these um, people still are traumatized by the idea of, say, lynching, right? Lynching was not something that really happened during the slavery era. Because if you lynched a slave, the slave owner would kill you for, for destroying something that was his. And Lynching came in this reconstruction era. And, it, and Frederick Douglass said it himself. He said, we've given up the lash for the shotgun. And that, that is, was, in truer words never spoken. It was so violent and so awful. And you're right, that compromise unleashed it. It just became, there were actually massacres as a result of that.
2: So the question is, is since everything, I think everything that we just said is indisputable. We didn't soft pedal anything, Mm. right? Uh, (laughs) We also know that people grew up and have certain beliefs. So they grow up and they believe certain things and they're in a certain era. We look back at those eras, and the most obvious one is same-sex marriage. If I told you in 2008 that the guy would be president of the United States named Barack Obama said that marriage is between a man and a woman. In 2012, if you said that, you would look as someone who was uh, anti-gay or was unenlightened. Donald did the Barack mm-hmm. Obama in 2008. If you're gay, don't hate him. Uh, notice how people, the country evolved in 2012, and we understand more. Don't hate previous eras. Understand they're going to look back in 2024, not this show, and say, "Can you believe these guys? Can you believe what they said?" But looking back at history, you go back and. It, The question is, what do you do about it? Do you say, like Gavin Newsom said, let's study reparations to pay people for because Mm -hmm. of the color of their Mm -hmm. skin for sacrifices they didn't have to make for suffering they didn't go through because of what society was like at that previous time, which you might not even have relatives who are in this country, and your family might be blended in a different way. It's impossible to go back and make amends to something that happened uh, almost a hundred years ago, in some cases. But notice if there's an inequity, if there's, if you, you know, there's a school like Woodrow Wilson was so happy, evidently, that he was at Princeton and didn't allow one black in there. He was so happy, and that's the Democratic president of the United States that replaced uh, uh, Taft after that big controversy when when Roosevelt came back. Okay, most of these guys are all Democrats, by the way. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. also important to yeah. point out. So if you gonna hold, if you're gonna be bitter. Don't be bitter at Lincoln. He was Republican. You could be upset in the 1960s. But like when Nikki Haley made that mistake, and it was a mistake, I was asked about the Civil War. And she said, well, the cause of that was state rights and liberty. What are you talking about? It was uh, fundamentally slavery, became a bigger story, even through it all, free states and slave states. We know this. Mm-hmm. How she blew that, I don't know. But for the most <laughs> part, we're a country that's evolved to the point where we may have overcompensated for inequities for minorities. And it's creating uh, perhaps a resentment from people who don't feel a bias. Dr. Drew, you did not ask me uh, the first time he came on the show. I'm going to go on the Brian Kilman show. I don't know him. Is he white or black? You know, I don't know if I should read this book. Was the author white or black? Maybe they said that 150 years ago, but they don't say it now. And there are people out there that have uh, these these horrible views of, of Hispanics and women in the workplace and, Whatever it is, you can't legislate that. You can't pay people because the previous generation was biased. I think we have to understand that we're the most successful multicultural country in the history of the world, have an awareness of our past, ways to improve, but we can't do this big apology thing with the 1619 Project that looks to vilify a, a nation that almost everybody else in the world would rather live in than the one they are in.
0: Well Brian hang on here we got to take a quick break uh again I suggest we you go get both of his books uh this is uh Booker T Teddy and Booker T there it is uh and the uh Caleb if you can get the Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass book up there too what was that called again Brian I forget the name
2: uh, the, pres- uh, the president the president of freedom fighter. and freedom
0: president of fighter. and freedom fighters so these are these are great ways to study history. Uh, Brian has done a lot of work, co- sort of collating things and bringing things together. These are these are complicated periods of history with a lot going on, and uh, he does you a favor uh, by bringing it together and bring it under. There it is, the president of the freedom fighter. You're bringing it under, a, you see a theme, right? You're going to get that. You're going to learn about the relationship between these two and the, the complexities there. We will talk when we get back. Maybe we'll keep going with that topic, uh, Lincoln and uh, what uh, Frederick Douglass called his white supremacy. We'll talk, we'll analyze that and be back right after this. Are you one of the millions of American women and men dealing with premature hair thinning and hair loss? Or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it runs in your family. Start 2024 with a real solution that delivers results without the harsh side effects or unwanted chemicals and no need for prescription. Provia uses a safe natural ingredient, Procapil, to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and hair loss. Susan has been using Provia for months and she loves it.
1: I'm so happy because Provia is helping me grow longer stronger and shinier hair especially up on top
0: in fact Provia was created by the founder of Genucel, the makers of our favorite skincare products so it is no surprise that she has seen amazing results right now new customers save over 50 percent plus free shipping every introductory package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use plus the Provia Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Don't wait. Order now to save an extra 10% and get free shipping at ProviaHair.com forward slash Drew. That's P-R-O-V-I-A-H-A-I-R, ProviaHair.com slash D-R-E-W. If you're trying to figure out the right present for someone, you will not go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. Of course, I'm talking about Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more, guaranteed. Susan and I love them. In fact, we still have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed. I slept in them last night. I was thinking of how great they were. And look at this. I'm wearing one of their super comfortable T-shirts right now. I, don't get, I just can't get enough of Cozy Earth. Their sheets are durable, machine washable, and come with a 10-year warranty against defects. So no surprise that Cozy Earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. Whether it's their luxury pajamas, super soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, you will love shopping and gift-giving at Cozy Earth. Here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code DREW, to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com with code DREW. CozyEarth.com, code DREW, save 40%. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy.
2: It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need, but if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish
1: you had it if you need it.
0: Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications, from anthrax to tick bites. To COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is D-R-D-R-E-W dot com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. And we are back, we are visited by Brian Kilmeade, you know him from Fox and Friends. Uh, And Brian, one of the things that um, jumped out at me about uh, Frederick Douglass was I I was reading, I must've been reading his biography. And in the opening chapter, yeah, the, the author chose to talk about the day that there was the consecration of the, Uh, Emancipation uh, Proclamation of the Emancipation Act. uh, And there's a statue in the Washington Mall that was uh, dedicated that day. And they asked Frederick Douglass to speak. And he said, you know, I I will speak. You may not like what I have to say. And they said, well, Lincoln was your friend. Yes, he was my friend and he was a great man, but I'm gonna have to speak my mind. And they go, oh, we we wanna hear from you. And he got up and he said, he said, this man was a great man. This was an extremely important day. Uh, we have learned that there's much more to be done. But make no mistake, uh, President Lincoln was a white supremacist. And, and I was I was clutching my pearls. I was, oh, what? Babe, my Abraham Lincoln. I know he was a racist to start with, and he seemed to have gotten over his racism across his presidency or improved it. Uh, and I and I, through reading more and more and more of Frederick Douglas's speeches, I came absolutely to understand what he I didn't know what he meant. I didn't know what it was. that's how that's how blinded I was. Uh, and he opened the scales fell from my eyes because of his because of his words, that there there is this this, sense uh, of Eurocentrism, Euro superiority that was infecting certainly at that point of the time. And you see it in Teddy Roosevelt. So it persisted for quite some time. What are your thoughts on that?
2: A couple of things. He said, he went on to say, if I remember the speech correctly, because I took an excerpt from it. uh, And one of the things he said that I do, I do these shows on stage where I talk about all these books in a conversational way, take questions and I just thought it was necessary to take on the war in history and actually fight it with facts. You in know, a, in a, when I'm on stage, every show is a little bit different and it's kind of fun, motivational, inspirational, and patriotic. And I bring up Frederick Douglass and he was so impatient with Lincoln. He's like, when the war started, he's like, free the slaves. And Lincoln said, no, I'm not going to free him. He knew America at that time was not ready to fight to free the black men. But a year or two in, when things started evening out and the South started gaining some traction and They started realizing that that's going to be the best way to victory. And he goes and finally meets Lincoln. He realizes, he says it, he said, if Lincoln listened to me, uh, he goes, I looked at him as impatient, uh, plotting and basically laconic about his approach to black rights. But in his eyes, he was actually going at the exact right pace for the country in which he leads. That was his responsibility. Not the country he wanted, but the country he had to lead. Next thing you know, <laughs> African-Americans are fighting in the war. He's recruiting African-Americans for Lincoln. They're working together, and they're talking about causing an insurrection, John Brown style, in the South, letting the slaves know, go ahead, rise up against your masters. We got your back, because if you if you find your freedom, uh, the country's going to be, when, you, when we win this war, you're going to be free. So what he was trying to say is he was president for the white man. And he said, little by little, he realized that didn't make him a bad person. He was a person of his times. But the people kind of well, knew, he- in my humble opinion, too, that they, he knew he was going to speak like that. Because Grant was the president. Ten years after, the dedicating the statue, which was oh so controversial during the George Floyd riots. And I went back to that, did a stand-up on it. We did a whole feature on it. Um, and he goes back to it. And they kind of knew that he was going to let America have it. And Grant
0: was okay mm-hmm. with that, because mm-hmm. it was because they they looked to him for truth. They they wanted him to help us see the truth. Uh, and and my goodness, uh, the man had a he was the greatest or, orator of our, of this country's history. I I think in terms of the combination of brilliance and, and persuasive power. But but back to Lincoln and his choices, he he was a profound pragmatist. He was almost like like autistic in his pragmatism. And had he freed the slaves early, he would have lost Kentucky. And if he lost Kentucky, he might have lost the war, and then there would have been no freedom for the slaves. And so and so and Maryland, and, and, yeah. and Maryland that's right. And on top of that, he 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 did not have freeing the slaves as the priority. His priority was keeping the union in its proper alignment. Uh, that was his priority. And it, it was a, it was and, and a, and was a legal mind. Right That's are. the way he thought about things.
2: What's that? And, they, and this is how right you are. Because this would drove Frederick Douglass nuts. And how do we know that? He had a newspaper. And he wrote about it. And he <laughs> said, look, he knew. He, Lincoln basically reached out in the middle of the war and said, listen, you put down your guns, you can keep your slaves. We'll talk about this. Mm-hmm. We can get just get the country mm-hmm. back together, lace the country back together. And and Frederick Douglass says, "Are you kidding?" They hadn't, hadn't met him yet. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All of this bloodshed, yeah. all of this struggle, all the abolitionist movement, the John Brown, uh, uh, you know, the in, uh, intrusion the massacre. Yeah, the gold part of massacre, yeah. yeah that, that happened. happen. He ended up getting killed and hanged. He goes, "You would actually give that up?" He goes, "Yeah." Because what's his objective? Getting the union back together, working us through. The other element of it. That's why he went up to Sam Houston from another book. Sam Houston says, I don't want to fight this war. He's, he's, he's the president of Texas and he became governor of Texas. And they said, OK, if you don't want to fight the war, then you might as well quit as governor. Lincoln reached out to him and said, listen, if you just stay out of the war, I'll provide you protection. You could do whatever you want with the slaves. I got to keep this country together. It'd be a lot easier if Texas was not fighting in yeah. the South. And Samuelson said, listen, I lost this. Uh, I'm the only one who feels this way. But here's something you'd appreciate. This is why I love Douglas, and I love Booker T. Washington, because time and time again, I found myself getting life lessons from him and less race lessons from yeah. him. This is what, what yeah. he, when when Booker T. Washington asked him, listen, what did you do when you're Frederick Douglas, and they told you to get in a different car, and you refused to leave, and then you got picked up and dragged to another car? He <laughs> said this to Douglas. Uh, Booker said, Douglas said this to him. He goes, they cannot degrade Frederick Douglass. The soul is within me is no man can degrade. I am not the one that is being degraded on account of this treatment, but it's those who are inflicting it upon me. And that's Booker Mm. T. Washington. You, You can't get me to hate you. You're just not worth enough to me. It takes too much energy. If you don't like me, I'm going to move on, but I will not hate you. And I think we could all learn from that.
0: It's interesting. Epictetus, the maybe the first Stoic philosophers or one of the first, um, had a similar, he was a slave also. Uh, and Epictetus just means sort of object or owned object. It's something that somebody owns. And he had the very similar sort of orientation to the people that beat him and, and enslaved him. It's very interesting. Now I want to go uh, back to the Southern uh, insurrection. And it, it occurred to me that it, it, is sort of has echoes in the present moment. Do you think we're going to learn through the courts a definition of insurrection? Because the the you know Lincoln had a certain he had a very specific definition in his head, and uh, he he did not believe, for instance, that secession was a possibility. When you have a contract amongst equals, the union, and one member of that contract steps out. That is that that's that's not secession. That's in that's out of your normal alignment in insurrection. Do you think we're gonna get a court uh, sort of definition coming forward because of all the January six stuff?
2: I would love to get one uh, because that was one day as, as bad as it is, uh, and I don't think there's an answer to that. Was the plan? The plan was to take over the house and then force uh, Trump to stay in power. I don't think that if you The same people that said Trump and Russia, Vladimir Putin plotted together to slay Hillary Clinton. You can't also say that and call him a moron. You can't also say that, um, you know, that Trump was out there fighting because he thought he was wrong. But if there were so many people that were just walking through the Capitol and others were doing what they were doing in the Capitol, which was some badass things. And I do not support it. Being uh, Any Trump supporter that truly believed what Trump believed would never attack a cop. What I was seeing attacking law enforcement that day, and I, I'm, you know, right. I don't know if you know this, Dr. Drew, but my text messages to Mark Meadows became public knowledge. It was read by Liz, uh, Liz Cheney. And I was saying to Meadows, what are, you, what are you doing? He's got to get out in front of the camera. Do you understand how bad this is? Who are these people? Mm-hmm. And also Eric wrote me back and said, Brian, there's no way these are our people. You know our people. You've been to our events. No one attacks law enforcement. And acts this way. And we do know that most of the Trump people got beat up during that. I don't want to get into politics, but mm. we will get a definition. Mm. But why is it that Jack Smith, with everything that he aggressively is charging, and that's what he's known for. I think he's overcharged his whole case in all, in every aspect. And we'll see shortly. Why would he not say, yeah, insurrection? I got enough here to say insurrection. He hasn't said that. Uh, you know. So I think we'll get a definition. But insurrection is. I know I think. I think.
0: Well, so okay, so two things. Um, Yes, Andrew Jackson was the first uh, uh, legal mind to put his head to the notion of secession because he had a secession crisis as well. And he was very clear. He was the first one to use the logic that Abraham Lincoln later later used, which was there is no such thing as secession. You're talking nonsense when you say secession. And then on the other th- the other hand, of Jack Smith is that his name again? I, the politics of the day are sort of, Jack Smith, sort of yeah. escaped me many times. Yeah, he's, a, he's he, the prosecutor um, on. Yeah. I, I get the sense that they're holding back a little bit because of exactly this reason that they don't want it to go to a higher court and get a definition that doesn't that doesn't fit what happened on January 6th. I have a feeling that that's some of it and I somebody's going to overstep and we're going to get that definition and we should have that definition. We should understand what that was. What is this now? Brian Kilby. Oh, this is your these are your tweets or your or your texts. That's what I wrote right. to right. Mark Can you see Betten. that?
2: Yeah. Yep. He yeah. Says, please get him on TV. He's destroying everything you have accomplished. So, yeah. um, and I, you l- know that.
0: Brian, came up far- yeah. Brian, I, I, you know, one of the reasons you and I like talking to each other is I feel we have a similar, let's call it affection slash um, fascination with our country and its history. Right. I, I mean, that's what you and I like talking about together all the time. And yep. I I lately, and I'm going to ask you to sort of explain this to me. And I and I brought this up almost every day lately. I I become completely preoccupied with uh, early 20th century Russia a little bit, and very preoccupied with uh, 1789 France. And I'm just seeing so many echoes of the at least the psychology of our present moment in what the thinking was and the behavior was and the, the personality constructs were around the early days of the French Revolution. And 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 so I, I'm gonna ask you, why do you think I'm preoccupied about that? And I have noticed something, because I've been doing it for a few months now, I've been, been digging in deep, that the French are re-embracing their history. There used to be a lot of really negative feelings about particularly Napoleon, and they now call it the black myth or something, the mythique noir, if I remember right. And and they're saying, no, 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 that was created by the British to disdain this man. And in fact, when when he died, when he was measured on his deathbed, he was exactly average for Frenchman of the day. He wasn't even short. He was not a short person. He was an average height man, and they they sort of vilified the the between the English and the French disdain and the French confusion about their and, and sort of disdain for their own heritage, and they are going back and reembracing it and saying, "Oh no, we are sick of this. We are embracing our heritage. We have a great history, a great culture, a great language, a great uh, culinary history. We we want it back. We want to own it. We want to we want to re entrench in it." I, I'm seeing that. I think. Um, A, do you think that's true? And B, could we maybe mm, benefit from some of that? And then C, is that why I'm so preoccupied with the the French Revolution? Because I'm worried about the present moment and its impact?
2: You remind me, Andrew Roberts' book on Napoleon, I started, didn't finish. But I do not, I'm not an expert. I just know broad strokes on that era when they got rid of the czars and elites uh, and royalty. And they just uh, were tired of the, Uh, They were tired of the two-tier justice system. system. They were tired of the uh, two-tier poverty and wealth and a chance for success. And I'm thinking about Albert Anthony's song. And this guy comes out of nowhere, this guy who's apolitical, and just talks about how he can't get ahead, the dollar's worth nothing, and why the rich men in Richmond are deciding everything. And who are these people? Mm -hmm. Why are you focused on Epstein Island? And why are you not focused on other? uh, We had 80,000 unaccompanied minors who we have lost track of. We have all this other trafficking and you're focused on Epstein Island. So he writes that song, which is a little bit simplistic way of tackling your issue. I think we're there. I hope he doesn't end up with the violence of the revolution. But I did read some fascinating things about Lafayette and James Monroe, who's an unsung hero of America's early days. And he, you know, they were great friends. He was great friends with Jefferson. He was great friends with Washington well, uh, Monroe came to see him during that time. And I'm sure you know this, Dr. Drew. And he basically was fighting for his life. He had lost everything. And Jefferson was able to help him out and get him some furniture and help him out with the embassy, the American embassy in France at that time, and maybe protect him and save him from a lynching. Lafayette who meant so much mm-hmm. to American history So I, I I love, I did not know the French were re-embracing their past, but they need to. I mean, they lost a third of their country to illegal immigrants or immigration, uh, ungoverned immigration. Who really didn't want any part of France? They just wanted it out of their country, which we're we're going to be experiencing shortly with the seven million that Joe Biden let in. Um, I'm not saying we don't have immigrants. There's a way to do it, and there's the way that he's doing it, which is which to me that's impeachable more than than anything else that we've witnessed, including what Bill Clinton did. But um, yeah, I think I hope we're not at that time where it ends up in violence. But it, but a recalibration would be great. But what gets me is. Recalibrate, but don't run back from America's role in the world. America has a role in the world. It is more than just our shores. You know, it just is not gonna ever, we, we, no responsible leader would ever let Israel wither, our allies be destroyed by aggressive China and Russia, by Ukraine being eaten alive because they're not a perfect democracy. That's not what America has done since World War II. And that's really what's our all we. It's our best hope in the world. My hope is that this that a lot of these people who like J D Vance, who I like, and Josh Hawley, who I respect, who just want no part of America and Ukraine and helping out Israel, let them give them, give them a check and don't worry about it. I think that's just the wrong attitude.
0: So when we left our last meeting together, you gave me a reading assignment. Um, I'm thinking this time I, I might give you one. And it's a, it's a historical figure that you're no doubt familiar with, but I want you to take a real good look at Alexis de Tocqueville, both here okay. and in France. I, I understand why you looked at Lafayette, but de Tocqueville, I think, was the real mover. He, he was the the mover of ideas on in, in France and here. Uh, he wrote Democracy in America, and it, it, it's still a classic. I, I, I may pick it up and read it again. Um, but I, Alex, I didn't realize he had so much of an effect on France as well. He was a major figure there. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family, dogs, cats, even horses, in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the InForce Plus Corollius Versicolor and InForce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it.
1: When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me,
0: P E T C L U B two four seven Pet
2: Club two four seven. I will. You got it. I'm going to work on it. Um, um, I have a few more weeks talking about the book. I got that. I got a show on okay. January 21st, <laughs> and then I will Good. turn the page in February. Um, but I'm okay. not looking around, I'm taking a break for a while. But that's why I want to read things that I want to read instead of researching to write.
0: Where, where is uh, where is that uh, that public event? Where do you want people to go for that?
2: Uh, Joliet, Illinois, uh, right outside Chicago. Uh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and it's, it's selling well, VIP opportunities. And it's basically so America great from the start, never perfect, but always trying to be. And here is the ups and downs. I think that we got to win the war on history with facts and embrace our past. Because we're coming up on year 250. I do remember being in grade school celebrating the bicentennial the whole country was celebrating even with 17 percent mm-hmm. insurance rates interest rates mm-hmm. we, i need to know that this country is going to be happy that we were born when we get to year 250 that's why, that's my goal
0: well i i think one of the things we have to be able to do is is speak openly and realistically about uh slavery and reconstruction and it's repercussions through multiple generations and through history. We just have to really open the conversation up more more completely. Um, the, the, you brought up the international situation. And one of the things that I've discovered through interviewing people on this show is the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army has a, a cognitive defense system. They They actually have a propaganda, giant propaganda department that is pumping stuff into this country like crazy. And I have a feeling is I think they're having the, d- their desired effect on us. How do we – this is a completely different topic, and I'm going to sort of wrap up with this. But how do we get people to look at themselves if they are jumping on to these divisive winds that are blowing from Russia and China? They should be – it's disgusting that people from this country jump on to this propaganda that is being generated specifically to do what they're falling victim to. How do we get them to take a look at themselves and how do we get people to resist doing so and become aware of this?
2: I'm so glad you asked me that, because if you want to unify the country, uh, you have a common enemy. That's Historically, that's what's always happened. There's a legitimate enemy in China. And you have Chuck Schumer who believes it as much as I believe that uh, Senator Marco Rubio to a degree. Most people should understand whether they're buying land near our military bases or agricultural land to take over our food supply. They have the number one app in the world, TikTok, banned in a lot of European countries using their, their uh, social, excuse me, their news feeds to get America to think like they think. Not that China's great, but the subtle stories that make us look bad and them look good. And for example, the best example is this uh, Hamas war with Israel. There's almost no positive Israel stories, no victimization, the reality of October 7th. Most of them talk about the the the, the that are of these warriors who are actually terrorists uh, and the, the Palestinian who were ousted from their homeland unjustly. But they don't do it directly, Dr. Joe. They don't just come out and say that they do it through columns no. and news feeds. And most of all, let's get on with the counterinfluencer. If you can't ban TikTok because you're too afraid of losing the young vote, we'll go on there with your own algorithm. Let's get our influences, yeah, right. our version of Kardashians, and get on there. Number two, yes. Help yes. people in awareness. Hey, uh, tell your son and daughter is 11 years old. Let me see your newsfeed. Did you read this? Yeah. Let me just tell you this is not true. This is the real story. What about this? What you, I see you clicked on this story. What about this? You know, instead of that conversation being, well, they don't want to talk to me. Look at what they're reading and understand it. And a lot of those kids goes, 11th graders come home and they seem to be pro-Hamas. Maybe you should educate them a little, let's sit down. Are you a woman? Yes. Do you know what a woman does in, in that culture? Nothing. They can't have a job. They don't have equal rights. If you happen to be gay or trans, you can pick the building they want to throw you off of. That is not propaganda. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's who you're marching for. You want to cheer for the Houthi rebels? Let me tell you what they're about. They are supported by Iran. They're rocketing commercial vessels. They're the reason why everything is going to cost double very shortly. And this is what they believe. They're Islamic extremists, only they prefer the Shia version of Islam as opposed to the Sunni version of Islam. Let me give you a sense of that culture. And if you still embrace that culture, Hamas is hiring. So are the Houthi rebels. I'm sure you can go over there with a great resume and they will embrace you. And nothing else I can be sure of you will hate it and you'll love our country a lot more. I would just say, these are the conversations you have with your kids. You don't have to say you're wrong and you're stupid. Just let them, educate them on the facts. And while on the internet, you can immediately pull up the pictures. How What, what size burqa do you want to take? You know, let me just explain to you what a woman uh, is, is like in this Islamic extremist culture. Not putting down Muslims. I'm talking about extremists. And if you want to go to a traditional non-terrorist Muslim culture, that's available too. But my sense is you have no clue what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Uh, Susan, uh, you want to chime in here as I hear her talking without a microphone on? It's true. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Brian, Everybody
1: knows how
2: I feel about that.
0: What what do you think your next project will be? What what are you looking at next? You thought about that? I'm so curious Uh, where you go. Yeah, uh,
2: Intentionally, I'm not. Number one, you know, Fox has their own book division now. So mm. I, I would love mm. to do things uh, I, like they turned me down. Harper Collins turned me down for George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson triple Pirates. And, and after their Sentinel showed so much loyalty to me, I'm not going to stop now. I mean, we've had now uh, nine uh, bestsellers, seven with them. And this one's a bestseller for four weeks now. And I have mm. nothing but great feelings for them. But I don't love doing things outside of Fox. I would love for them to get behind these projects. Uh, rather than, you know, you got a certain amount of times you can mention it and there's only a certain amount I'd right, love to just right, stay on right. Fox, be able to talk about it. But I want to see what's yeah. next. And also, there's stuff that I just want to learn again. I always feel like I'm in the middle of having four tests due, let alone studying for the shows. I'm not complaining. I'm just I'm just citing it. It's a lot. So I'm always talking, I it's want to see if I can get I want to get creative again. I want to pull back and get mm. creative and not get off the gas pedal in my ambition, but just open up my mind to what possibilities are. So
0: uh, that, that's my hope. I have some, you know, I have some ideas life- for you. I'd love to yeah. unleash you on a couple of a couple of things I I've been thinking about for a while. but let, let me ask this last question what, what did you did you learn anything new about Theodore Roosevelt? Did I'm sure you read the yeah. Theodore Rex and the rise of Theodore Roosevelt and some of those classic and, uh, and there was another one with another reference to a king or something uh, King thing was King whatever. The point is that he is a very interesting guy. Did you learn anything new? did you come up with anything uh, on Teddy Roosevelt Everything. that was surprising? Yeah.
2: Everything. Uh, I'm just going to give you it real quick. Just so you know this. Mm. I know people on the premise of the book, they just said, Brian, what a reach. You got this rich kid, five generations of wealth. Going into the book, mm. you got Booker's question, born a slave. What the hell are you talking about? At least Lincoln was born in abject poverty. And I say, good. Uh, to tell you, the reality is that Teddy Roosevelt, in many quarters, and, and Tweed backed me up on this, so other relatives, he was not supposed to survive childhood. They had no cure for asthma. Right. Believe it or not, it was brand new. Bad asthma. Book, Oh, yeah, yep. bad asthma. And they yep. would sit there and watch this kid who was 80 pounds in 11th would have been 11th grade with no formal schooling, with no friends. When he went out, he was bullied. So you could have a lot of money in life, but if you have enough, you have nothing. And then when he gets to Harvard, begins to find himself. And who would think by 20 years old he could write one of the most definitive, respected uh, books on the War of 1812 from the naval perspective because his Confederate uncles helped him? I did not know that. He looked up to them, but he gave them mm. such great history uh, and gave us such a sense of what the vernacular was and the terminology was in the Navy. And also found out that he was determined to do something. As much as he worshipped his dad, he was determined to do something his dad didn't do, and that was fighting a war. Right, dad's biggest right. regret was he didn't fight for the North. So yes. I thought that yeah. was important too, and also That's thought it right. was important but from the outsider perspective. Many people thought he was crazy. They thought that he was a wild, wild card. And a knucklehead. He was a little Mark crazy. Twain. He and Mark Twain and He definitely elections. was a little
0: crazy. Yeah. He he but definitely he was just, a little manic. but yeah, and uh yeah, the dad was selling bonds or something behind uh Union lines or something. He did the best he could to try to help the Union cause he, in the camps, you know, in the in the warfare, uh, but really never fought because I forget what the reason was. And um and yeah, you know he, whole, Teddy yeah. always resented he felt bad about that. The and boy, his work right. in the And the Spanish-American War was just like, what he did there was so wild. That was also pretty crazy. You know, his first-hand accounts of people being cut down on all sides of him and just going, yeah, poor chap. You know, anyway, I forged on. It's like, it wasn't going to happen to me. It's like, that's a a little bit of what we call narcissism, folks, and mania, too. So whatever, it worked. And that's, by the way, it's why I always discourage people from talking, making too much of uh, psychiatry or neurology when it comes to, uh, who should be in the White House, who should be in the Oval Office, because some we've had some people with a lot of liabilities in there that have done some great things. Brian, I thank you so much for uh, coming you. in and uh, entertaining me. I hope it entertained everybody else as much as myself. I love having these conversations with you. And uh, I, I will. I'm going to call you one day and unload some of these ideas I've been fishing around with, try to convince you to do the research necessary <laughs> to build these cases I've been thinking about.
2: And thank you, Dr. Drew, too, for coming on One Nation, too. You came on a couple of weeks ago. It was awesome. And uh, you, this Anytime. was the interview I was looking forward to most because I felt like you oh, were there in the kind. beginning. You were there in the beginning. And if you had said, Brian, here's the problem with that project, I probably would have stopped it. Uh, and uh, so I, that's why I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know you have this great curiosity.
0: Yeah. Well, I share it with you, my friend. Thanks, Brian Kilmeade, everybody. Thank you so much, sir. Right. Go get him, Dr. Drew. And, uh, say buddy uh so uh i'm looking around i'm watching the streams anything susan uh out there questions or concerns people have uh did i indulge myself and my uh
1: Yeah,
0: you were very focused. I think that's a criticism. We're still here. I think that's a criticism, everybody. (laughs) What were you saying, Caleb?
1: People are just very
2: curious about the uh, tiny door behind him. It's very thin and tall. And a lot of comments about the PVC pipe on the side. I'm like, guys, guys, focus. Focus, (laughs) Focus. <laughs> Focus, please.
0: That is, uh, I think I that's, didn't see that I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, I think that's uh, a distortion of the camera. Number one, and number two, in the east, you can have lots of weird panels and doors. He's in the in the He's east. He's
1: probably in a closet. And, somewhere.
0: And, and maybe it's an homage to Alice in Wonderland or something. Maybe it's. So,
1: too. do we have any people on uh, Twitter Spaces that want to chime in? Uh,
0: I, I am not yet a co-host there, Caleb. No, maybe we should look at that. And I.
1: No, nah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if there's going to be uh, callers coming today. It might be a glitch on there right now. Okay,
0: because there were some people with hands up I and they really? disappeared. Yeah, yeah, I was I don't listening. Know what's going on. I, I
1: was listening on Twitter Spaces. It was working fine.
0: Well, listen. Let's uh, go back over the uh, upcoming. We'll, we'll we will take call- calls tomorrow. I promise. Promise. Yeah, let's take uh,
1: everybody call in tomorrow.
0: That is what's coming up there. Since uh, the
1: show's called Ask Dr. Drew, we should probably take calls occasionally. Well,
0: that'll be. I I have a new. I have a new. Um, uh, slogan for 2024: We can do better. Uh, we can do better than 2023, that's for sure. But we can do better uh, this year. So we can do better is something I'm going to sort of hang my hat on. And uh, to that end, I will try to take more calls. Your uh, daddy
1: on Rumble said he was the only white kid in a in a black school.
0: And did he did he have any insights as a result? Does he have something he wants to share with us? He
1: says history rocks.
0: Okay, um, I agree with that. <laughs> But let's keep that. So, Paul Alexander, he's the guy that was in the White House in the uh, with the NIH when they decided on the six feet uh, social distancing. We'll get into that. Peter McCullough, you all of course know, uh, he's been uh, on the warpath lately. As you, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, the Florida Surgeon General back, who just today, Dr. Ladipo, uh, announced that he would like the discontinuation of all mRNA vaccines, which. He's not saying all COVID vaccines, which is interesting because the Covaxin vaccine is a better vaccine and it's still available. Roseanne on January 10th, James Corbett to talk about Gelman amnesia on January 9th. And tomorrow, Dr. Sean Baker, talk a little carnivore, and then we will take calls. So uh, we appreciate you all being here. Uh,
1: So I have a question on Humble. Yes, go right ahead. From Wind Chimes. Mm. Dr. Drew, Mm. what does it mean if words take a long time to process? Which kind of doctor do I seek out?
0: Depends the age of the individual. Can that person give us uh, their age? Uh, if you're older, there's a lot of, there are more significant medical concerns when you are older. When you are younger, it's more in the order of typically things like ADD, ADHD. But there can be a lot of other strange and unusual. So I would start with a neurologist. I would start with a neurologist. 50. Direction. 50 year old, I, I would start with a neurologist. We have get, a little
1: lag, so we have to work yeah, for that.
0: There, there can be a lot of uh, neurological and medical problems that can, can affect processing and working memory and word recall and a, a lot of those things uh, for sure. And if that's a new symptom, then by all means, you want to see a neurologist. So, anything else? Uh, I like this.
1: Your daddy. I like that one. Uh, divide and conquer. It's an old trick. We must unite. Okay. like the place we live in the united hey, states of america i will tell you
0: what just look get everyone re-entrench in your history and then stop being victimized by the propagandists that are largely coming from outside China. of this country stop China. it you should be dis, you should <laughs> if you have fallen victim you should look at yourself and you should be disgusted disgust is an important feeling it will pull you away from doing that again You should be not necessarily ashamed because these guys are good at what they do, but disgusted that you got pulled into it.
1: And then also Rick from YouTube said, tell me about Covaxin in 10 years once there is time to do long-term study safety trials, Dr. Drew. Uh,
0: Well, I would say this because Covaxin is a whole viral uh, platform. We have we have literally thousands of patient years with whole virus and it, it is perfectly fine perfectly safe uh, now whether or not giving that kind of virus to a you know three months old or a six month old is a different question than giving it to an adult but we have lots of whole viral study of whole virus um, vaccination in adults and they are quite safe and it's, it has better immunity. And wider immunity, you get, see, the question I've been asking lately is why did they direct the mRNA vaccine at the pathogenic piece of the virus, which is the spike protein? And why are they surprised when your body produces a lot of that spike protein, you get some side effects because that's the pathogenic protein. The Covaxin has some of that, but also has the nuclear capsid and the rest of the of the virus. So your immune system will respond to all of it and build a build a response. So if it sees any part of that virus next time, it will respond effectively. So I, you know, uh, it's uh, we had to get Dr. Gandhi back in here, Barsh. We had to get Monica Gandhi back in here because she's the one that's been pushing the Covaxin for a couple of years. I would like to hear her thoughts on why that perhaps has been delayed or why we aren't having any luck and why the massive push on the mRNA vaccines, particularly in populations that have no risk from the illness. So Monica Gandhi, look at her Twitter thread if you want to see some of the stuff she's put out. What else you got there, Susan?
1: Anthony Brown is here. Hi, Anthony. Dr. Drew, how come I cannot keep my hair? It's disappearing.
0: Anthony wants to ask that? Yeah. Yeah. you have to if you can stop time you can stop your hair maybe loss, use my the
1: provia can he uh, can Provia men is use good provia? yeah
0: absolutely provia. we have a new
1: sponsor called Provia Anthony Brown and it seems to be helping my hair so okay. I've been using it for six months
0: there you go and yeah, the, the, well, there's a money back guarantee on that one, it, yeah I believe so go go do it you got nothing to lose
1: yeah, or Rogaine, but I used I used Rogaine before, but now I'm using the Provia, and my it's it's kind of nice. It makes your hair kind of shiny.
0: Yeah, people don't like the what the Rogaine does it, to the it scalp. It coats your
1: hair. It yeah. makes it stronger, and Provia does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little
0: Provia. All right, well, there's the uh, love it. There's the link right there, proviahaircom slash Yeah, for check it out. listening. And you get uh, a, are you get getting a
1: discount with the, if you go to that link?
0: Are too. you getting all this off the uh, restream or where? Yeah, you restream. I'm watching the restream, I'm not seeing these questions. Please, please, please tell Drew that Dr. something doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. He's Dr. F head, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am Janice. I understand that there has been some <laughs> adulteration of Dr. Fauci's uh, <laughs> behavior. I, uh, my, my in in what I cling to, I must tell you is the not just the hope that he will return to the mean because as I've said before, he was a hero of mine most of my career, but that he is being evasive for a reason that is for our own good, which I hate those kinds of ideas and it better sure as hell' be for our own good and not just that we we can't handle the truth um, but I don't know. I don't know. We're going to leave it. He's going to be testifying in front of the House. We've got uh, uh, poor guy. We've got he's Rand Paul. Rand him. Paul has been gearing up for this for months. Oh I'm God. sure it'll be a very interesting interview. Uh, he's got a book called Deception. If you want to read about this, where he chronicles his concerns from top to bottom, and yeah. it's pretty compelling. Uh, all right, so we what will a leave
1: crazy it, life that man. We will like. leave
0: it at that. We thank you all for being here. We will be back tomorrow at three o'clock with Dr. Baker and your calls. See you then. Two seven three eight two five five. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.